0: Love, talk, radio. are you a parent with a newly diagnosed child with autism are you looking for answers on how you can help your child the online training course discovering behavioral intervention is the answer real parents take you through applied behavioral analysis in 10 step-by-step modules learn more about it at youdiscovering.org and you can follow them on twitter at uDiscovering. programs, treatments, or products. We thank you for joining us and are proud to provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs community. And now, on to the interview. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clash. This is Marianne Russo. I want to start off by asking you, uh, I apologize, I'm my voice today. I'm just at the tail end of the flu, and um, I have a great interview tonight. But before we go into the interview, I do want to thank our sponsor, um, Mayor Johnson. They are the makers of Boardmaker, and they've recently released an e-catalog, which is fantastic. It features hundreds of great products, including several uh, significantly reduced um, in price. So if you're budget-strapped and you know need a few things for your classroom, they have hundreds of products that are really drastically reduced. And you can go to MayorJohnson.com and uh, check out their Website um, today we are going to be discussing concussions and uh, mild uh, brain injuries. And you know, often parents dismiss the significance of concussions uh, by not understanding what's happening in the brain of their children or their teens. And some kids, especially boys, you know, feel having a concussion is like a badge of honor, uh, when in fact they're really dealing with what can be a very life-changing injury. So today I have Dr. Michael Rosenthal from the Child Mind Institute. This is another. Um, Interview in the series. And on the show, he's here to tell us, you know, what a concussion is, you know, how it can lead to personality changes and other changes, and, you know, what the appropriate immediate and long term treatments should be. Um, Dr. Rosenthal is a pediatric neuropsychologist. He has expertise in the evaluation and treatment of children and teens, um, you know, from preschool um, through adulthood. And he specializes in developmental neuropsychological um, disorders. And he also, really has um, expertise in management of children with complex questions that exist about autism spectrum disorders and concussions and mild brain trauma. So um, please welcome Dr. Michael Rosenthal. How are you?
1: Hey, uh, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on.
0: Oh, this series has just been fantastic. Um, You know, as I said, I think that people often take concussions lightly. I know that I mistakenly did. Um, So, you know, why don't we just start off by you telling us, you know, what is a a concussion? What is happening in the brain when a child gets a concussion?
1: Sure, sure. A a concussion is uh, a violent shaking of the brain within the skull that can be caused by either a direct blow to the body or or a direct blow to the head. And uh, you can think about uh, the injury, if you think about the brain as a computer, for example, um, a concussion is more of a software rather than a hardware injury, um, where it's sort of changing the function of the brain rather than causing any sort of gross structural problems.
0: And is it bleeding on the brain? I think there's a lot of confusion. Um, I know it's usually identified um, by like a PET scan, is that correct?
1: Actually it so it doesn't involve a a bleed. Um what's typically happening is uh when after the brain sort of shakes within the skull, there's sort of a, an indiscriminate release of chemicals or neurotransmitters within the brain and there's um sort of a, a change in the in the blood flow. And what happens is the brain is in this sort of uh, uh imbalanced state where um where it needs, it sort of shuts down in its cerebral blood flow, and then uh, it's trying to sort of regain its balance in terms of how the how the uh, neurochemicals are talking to one another. And this imbalance actually creates or is associated with some of the symptoms that you commonly see in the injury. Um, but it, it, it typically doesn't involve a, a brain bleed or any structural injury, and for that reason, it can't really be picked up on, on CT or MRI imaging.
0: Oh, okay. Um, you. Know, th- I think that people also, um, you know, when they think of a mild, um, you know, traumatic um, brain injury and they hear concussion, you know, what is the difference between all of these, between the mild uh, brain injury, uh, concussion, and traumatic brain injury? I think, you They're know, because not everything is, you know, a major blow. Is that correct? Right. Right,
1: so they're actually the same. So a concussion and the term mild traumatic brain injury, or MTBI, are used interchangeably. They describe the same thing, and there's actually, um, you hear a lot of different terms, and I hear a lot of them about, you know, mild... Traumatic brain injury, mild brain injury, concussion, mild concussion. Um, and there's actually arguments that say that we should be labeling these things as, uh, as MTBIs or mild traumatic brain injury because um, it, it, it's, it sounds uh, more significant and it may lead people to be more cautious and conservative and, and treat the injury more, more seriously than having the label concussion. Um, but to answer your question, they, they mean the same thing.
0: Yeah, you know, and that I think should be said for parents as well as some clinicians. Um, You Absolutely. know, I'll, I'll talk about it later. I mean, you know, my daughter, oh, she has a concussion; she'll be fine in a few weeks, and it's changed her entire life. But um, yeah. you know, what are some of the signs of a concussion? Um, well, first, let me ask you: can a seemingly very mild concussion, in fact, be something serious?
1: Uh, so so I see I've seen kids in my office who have um, been in car accidents and have been knocked unconscious, and they've been okay after a couple days. They had a concussion, but they they recovered all right um, and and recovered fairly quickly. And then I've had the 250-pound linebacker, a high school football player, who seems to take what looks like a mild hit to the head and who's out, for months or years at a time. So so I, I think it's a little bit of a misnomer to call it a mild concussion because we don't really have good tools yet to, to predict how severe this injury is going to be just by studying the, the actual um, uh, situation surrounding the injury.
0: Right. And, you know, do, do you find that it, um, different parts of the brain that are affected have different outcomes?
1: Sure. So, I, I mean, what, what's actually happening... Uh, inside the skull is the, it's just kind of shaking up all these neurochemicals within the brain. So you're going to have uh, potentially multi systems, multiple systems affected, and that's why you see uh, symptoms that can fall into uh, lots of different categories. They can be cognitive where um, kids are having trouble focusing or trouble holding on to information or problems of short-term memory. It can be emotional, where they're kind of feeling more emotionally labile or more nervous or more sad. It can be physical, which you hear often about headaches and fatigue and sensitivity to light and sound uh, or, or nausea and vomiting. And they can be sleep-related as well. So you, you can really, you can see a whole different host of, of problems. And some kids have lots of symptoms, and you can check off boxes in each of these categories and some right. kids might just have one or two
0: right yeah so what are the the, the first signs um, of a concussion
1: so so oftentimes if you suspect or you see um, a child uh, t- take a hit uh, say they're they're playing in a football game or another um, another sport uh, oftentimes they may look uh, or act confused or they may uh, say that their head hurts or they may kind of be, be acting a little bit differently on the field, uh, you know, going to the wrong lineup or, or stumbling a little bit. I, I mean, you, you want to take a look directly at their behavior, uh, but you also want to ask them questions about uh, how they're feeling and um, do they remember where they are and what the score is. And, um, and, and if you see anything kind of funny in the way that they're acting or, um, uh, or, or reporting how they feel, then they might have had a concussion.
0: Right, and, you know, I know in my daughter's case, um, you know, she got um, hit in the head uh, by a locker and then these books fell on her head um, at school. And, um, you know, she had a terrible headache that night, but she wasn't nauseous, she wasn't tired, you know, she seemed fine. And she woke up the next morning, she was slurring, she wasn't making any sense. Um, You know, so sometimes it could be the next day, really, that you see the signs. I mean, it doesn't have to be immediate.
1: Absolutely, and and that's why we advise if, there's, if you suspect that something might have happened here, even if the child isn't reporting um, significant problems or, you know, major headache or anything, you want to err on the side of caution and pull them out of the sporting event, or you want to just take care um, uh, uh, in making sure that things don't get worse, because you do see these symptoms uh, evolve. Uh, sometimes it takes uh, several hours or the next day when things really uh, start, to, start to feel bad for them.
0: Right, And I I really wanted to bring you on for this um, interview um, instead of, you know, a a neurologist, um, because you're a neuropsychologist, and, you know, I think it's important for parents to understand that the impact that this can have – I mean, as I said, my daughter – um, her whole life has changed in four years. She had this concussion, and, you know, it's led to a severe debilitating pain syndrome, fibromyalgia, complete immune dysfunction. Um, you know, as you said, the personality changes, the anxiety, the brain fog. I mean, it's just mind-boggling how a concussion that, seemed, that didn't seem to be a big deal um, can make such a difference. So, you know, what changes when you talked about, um, you know, behaviors and you talk about emotions? You know, what are you seeing and how long-term do you see them?
1: So, so most injuries um – resolve on their own if you take proper sort of uh, precautions like resting your brain and resting your body uh, within three weeks or so. Um, but there's still a significant minority of, of individuals, about 20%, who have symptoms that persist uh, longer than that time period. Um, and and we, we don't have good tools right now to tell who those individuals might be. Um, so we have to treat every injury as if it's um, a significant one and and for for a lot of those kids uh, you know after that 3 to 4 week mark um there could be a number of different things that are 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 causing them to have a slow recovery and so some of the things that i look for in my clinical um uh, interview is uh, what the what the previous history is so if they're complaining of of headaches that just aren't being Going away even with rest, um, did they have an underlying headache disorder before then, or is there does, do migraines run in their family? Um, if they're having pronounced problems with attention, um, did they have a, any suspected attention problems uh, beforehand, and this injury may have aggravated it in a way? Um, I also look for uh, reasons for why they may not be getting better in that three to four week period. So, have they been really uh, being careful? with um with resting their body and not returning to sports and and the big one especially for kids who are very high achieving and um and and school is is very important for them is is giving them permission to back off a little bit because oftentimes right. when kids stress their minds and their brains in doing the math homework or the reading studying for the test um that can have uh, uh, detrimental effects as well and that can keep them in this prolonged uh, recovery state where they're where they're just not getting better
0: Right, you know, and and like I said, you know, we took it, um, you know, very seriously. But when we saw, so, you know, it was very frightening to see your daughter wake up like that, and you know, we kept her home for a week. I mean, we just made her just lay around the house and observe her. Um, but you know, I know a lot of people, um, especially that are very competitive in sports. You know, they put their sons right back in, or their their daughters right back in, and you know, why don't you explain to the parents, you know, how, what a huge mistake that is.
1: Yeah, I, I I have this conversation often. I mean, I have both conversations with different types of parents and different types of kids. There's the there's the parents who might be o- almost overprotective of their kids, and I'm saying, you know, it, it's okay. He's actually or she's actually doing all right, and we can let out the rope a little bit and 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 let them practice a little bit. Um, uh, you know, when they are recovered, and then you have the other side of the coin, which is um, uh, parents and oftentimes the athletes themselves who are just over-eager to jump back in and aren't really um, uh, giving this the, uh, the attention that it deserves and, and the significance that it deserves, it being a, a head injury.
0: Right. And post-concussion syndrome is very common. I mean, oftentimes after you have um, a concussion, um, you'll have symptoms for a while. I know that that's when my daughter developed her migraines. And, um, you know, when would you say how long would you say a period of time would you just attribute these things to post concussion syndrome and when is it time to start looking a little further
1: so post concussion syndrome is 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 after that sort of 3 to 4 week mark when you have symptoms that are persisting and aren't getting better um that's when it's sort of given that label um you know it, when when you get to that point um and and I'm dealing with a kid who is not is not making progress even when they're following my recommendations of taking it easy physically and cognitively um that's when you start thinking about other types of proactive types of interventions, Um, so referral to a neurologist for possible medication management, Um, there's there's research to support vestibular uh, rehabilitation for kids who have persistent balance problems, Um, there's new research that's coming out about um, doing sort of a controlled physical activity regimen in almost a rehabbing of the brain itself um, Mm -hmm. that showed some promise. So, you know, these are these are certainly things that um, that we're still learning more about. Um, but I've seen them be successful in kids.
0: Yeah, you know, in my understanding through what I've been looking for is, you know, you discussed before uh, the neurotransmitters, which I'm going to ask you about next. But um, the amygdala can also be affected, especially if there's severe pain um, for a long period of time. Um, and, you know, my understanding is that's why these controlled exercises and other programs also work because they retrain, uh, you know, the amygdala, that portion of the brain. But you mentioned before that the neurotransmitters are affected. So are, are they the most common neurotransmitters like dopamine, norepinephrine, serotonin, or are there other types of um, chemicals involved?
1: yeah i think I think when you're talking about this type of injury um you're you're talking about potentially a- everything being affected here, so you're getting a a, a sort of a, a throw off in in the balance of how the brain is is kind of communicating with itself and how it's it's regulating itself um, and and that's where you start to see uh, uh some of these symptoms um, it, depending on kind of what's what's more prominent at, at that time. Um, you know, it, it's. I think we're still learning about what's actually happening in terms of the, the serotoninergic system and the dopamine system, and, and kind of how these these play out. Um, but uh, but that research is still still sort of coming out.
0: Well, what is the best way to prevent concussions? Because I know, uh, you know, my husband would never allow us. My kids were like the only ones that didn't have a trampoline. He didn't even want a swing set. You know, he's an attorney and he's seen so many horror stories. Um, But you know, I think that was a bit much. You know, but what are some ways to prevent concussions?
1: Yeah, I I think that really the cornerstone for concussion prevention is, is education and public awareness, and. From as as you educate the public, as you educate uh, student athletes, parents, coaches, the medical community, the 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 people who are making the laws, that's when right. you start to see changes um, and, and and sort of trickle down changes into what happens day to day for kids when they're playing in, in a football game. And um, I can say I can talk about a couple of these things. For example, there are now laws. In, in most states in the U.S., that um, that make uh, uh, make people accountable. Uh, for injuries and making sure that kids are not continuing to play when they're when they're potentially injured, um, these these laws have uh, have education components. They have components that talk about removing kids from the game when they're injured and getting a licensed healthcare professional to to um, authorize them going back to the sports. And these laws were not around a couple of years ago, so so I think these these certainly play a big role. Um, the uh, the Academy of Neurology. American Academy of Neurology just released uh, new updated guidelines about best practice for, for concussion, and I think this, this could potentially have a big effect as well. Um, and you see, you see uh, the NFL and the NHL and USA Lacrosse and, and all these uh, elite-level athletic organizations making changes in the way the games are played to be, um, to be safer. And this has, a, again, a trickle-down effect on uh, high school and youth sports as well.
0: Right. and you know high and um bicycle helmets you know i see so many kids here you know where i live and they're just you know riding in the middle of the main street no helmets on and you know you have to just wonder you know is it is it that they they don't think they're cool or you know i don't understand why that's not a law
1: yeah again i i think the mentality is changing um, I, I agree with you. It, it's it's scary when when you see that happening, and um, I, I think one of the examples I, I can think of is that uh, NFL players uh, in the past were were not really speaking up about these injuries or other other professional athletes, and now they're 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 voicing their concerns and they're talking about the injuries. They're more open about it, um, and, and some athletes are even saying, you know, I wouldn't let my kid play play football you know they're making a serious point about it and then other kids are and then kids who are in high school and and, in school age are listening to them and saying oh you know what maybe this is a cool thing to to pay attention to and so i think you're you're seeing a a sort of a change or a shift in how kids are thinking about uh uh, protecting your head
0: well that's that's great. Um, you know, what would you um, you know, to end the interview, I just want um, you know, if you could give a little advice to a parent, um, you know, if their child is very active in sports or um, you know, is very um, you know, very stressed out, um, uh, what recommendations would you give them for when they should really seek some help?
1: I I think c- certainly if you suspect that your child has had an injury or um if you directly witnessed it or even if they're kind of acting uh, different, and you you suspect that they may have taken an injury, but you didn't actually see it. I, I think you know the first point of contact is to go to your pediatrician um, and, and talk to them about what happened, and your pediatrician um, you know will will evaluate them and, and hopefully will will be informed to be able to give you some some advice on how to make sure that they they stay healthy. Um, and you know if if the and then there's different levels of kind of. Um, uh, a specialty care that you can you can look into uh, if you are are really concerned about this.
0: Right. Well, Dr. Rosenzoy, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank thank you for having me. No, oh, this is great. And you know, parents really, if you know, you just need to be so careful. It really can be you know this, uh, something you may think is insignificant can be absolutely life changing. So as I end the show each Sunday, you are your child's best advocate. If not you, then who? Become an Informed, Educated Parent here at the Coffee Clatch. Thank you again to Mayor Johnson, and, of course, thank you to the Child Mind Institute. Go over to their website. It's unbelievable. Dr. Rosenthal, do you have a blog
1: on their website? Um, I, I believe my my profile is up there, but the um, I think the Child Mind website itself has a lot of great resources that speak to this issue and, and other child mental health uh,
0: issues yeah, as it's, well. Yeah, it's one of my favorite websites. Okay, well, thank you very much. Have a great night, everyone.
1: All right, thanks.